brought to you by the Friends of the British Council. Hey everybody, welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up. Matt McCarthy and Steve Lewis in the Fantasy Sports Network Studio 34 on West 35th Street in Midtown Manhattan talking rugby. And we've got Ronan Nelson calling in from sunny San Diego. Hey guys. Hi, Ronan. Good to be here. Thanks for having me on. All right, so Ronan, you're going to give us our MLR recap. But before we do, let's go to the feeder system that is college rugby for Major League Rugby. And Stephen, I think you have a report. Sure. So spent the last weekend in rainy Glendale. Wasn't particularly good weather in Colorado, but it was the Collegiate National Sevens at Glendale, uh, Infinity Park. Uh, on the men's side, Lindenwood repeated as champions, uh, beating Cal fairly convincingly in the final. Uh, Coach Josh Macy has those guys fired up. They're going for a, uh, to win the second big tournament, which is the CRC two weeks' time in Philly. So on the men's side, Lindenwood were the winner. And on the women's side, Lindenwood were the winner. Um, they beat Penn State fairly convincingly again, 20 points to zip. Um, so Billy Nicholas, the coach there, credit to him. And also on the women's side, life came in third, pipping my Black Knights, my Army women, 22-21 in the uh, third, fourth place game. Uh, it wasn't great weather, particularly on the women's side. The standard has improved dramatically the last couple of years. It was, it's technically very good these days. Does that have anything to do with you coaching them, Steve? Not at all, not at all. General, standards are rising. Um, on the men's side, I felt, though, the general standard was a little bit lower. Um, as, as a coach of the Collegiate All-Americans, I'm also there picking, you know, the men's team. So I was watching that. I'll be watching the CRC. But a uh, little bit disappointed in the overall standard on the men's side. It's, it's interesting to know, too, uh, you know, we keep mentioning Cal in all of these finals, right? The sevens final, the 15s final, but, and losing, right? And that's the litmus test. That's, that's how good Cal is, right? Yeah, well, I mean, it's a reflection on their dominance, their sort of dynasty over the last decades, right? When they lose, people are kind of shocked. And so they're still making the finals. You know, life beat them up pretty good in the 15s, and they were they were well beaten at the weekend. But they are, you know, they're one of the top programs in the country yeah. and will always remain so. Um, one other result of note, um, a couple of results of note over the weekend on the D1 men's club side. So the final for that has now been... Uh, set and that will be belmont shore from california will be playing against mystic river um both tight games both very close um competitive games belmont getting past austin and mystic putting one over on new york athletic club 26 25 very tight game there what's interesting to me perhaps on this on this is the um what the d1 d1 men's championship has become um, so with all due respect to my friends at Mystic, and I have many of them, great players, great coach, Josh Smith. Oh, here we go. Oh, they, here um, we go. They, they, they went 0-6 in a fall, and they're in the men's D1 final. So that's uh, it's a bit of a black eye for the competition, I feel, and a little unfortunate. But um, full credit to Mystic. As I said, uh, it should be a good final with them in Belmont. But it, it shows the change of balance between with the advent of the MLR. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought you were going to sing the, the old Blue Swan song there, but you didn't. Oh, well, we, we won the Northeast, but right. we elected not to play in it. So. And, and just a quick editorial before we get to our, our MLR report on from yours truly. I've had this conversation with different guys from different clubs about how their clubs are going to suffer because of the MLR. But if you got to be happy about your club getting recognition for somebody getting called up to a professional spot, whether it's the MLR whether it's the Pro 14, whether it's 
you know, France or something, tier one, tier two, if it's a get, if it's getting your club recognition, you, you know, that, that this is the way it's going to go, right? So you'll, your club will still be the top club or one of the top clubs because you're going to figure it out and you'll make your, your, your men's club or your women's club the top clubs. But if the players are going to professional rugby and there's no major league rugby minor league system here in the United States, it's going to happen. Yeah, I think minor league might be not the way to describe it, but I think um, no, I'm talking. I'm talking about the the, the clubs I, being the I minor league system. I understand that, but they might not see it that way. But I think um, you know the dust will settle here. Um, the landscape is changing, and it has to change. MLR has to be, or a semi-pro level or pro level has to be there, whatever it is. So clubs will have to adapt to that because the reality is players will vote with their feet. And they will vote with their pocketbook. And where they're getting paid, they will go. All right. Speaking of getting paid, we're going to break for a quick commercial and come right back with MLR stuff as we promised. Been blind since I was four. And I've never seen a beer commercial or a beer label. None of that stuff influences me. I drink beer because of the taste. And my beer is Pabst Blue Ribbon. It has the taste and the flavor. What do you think is on the label? I think there's a, a naked woman riding on a unicorn, jumping over fire. Oh, that's good beer. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up in Midtown Manhattan, the Fantasy Sports Network Studio 34. In the studio with me, Matt McCarthy, is Steve Lewis, the dashing Scotsman with the powder blue eyes, and Mr. Ronan Nelson calling in from sunny San Diego. Without wasting any more of anyone's time, Ronan, let's get to our MLR recap. Thanks, Matt. So the weekend started off down in New Orleans with the Sabercats traveling to play the NOLA Gold. Sweltering southern heat, as would be expected for a... uh, end of spring kind of day. The pitch was nice and bumpy the way people's ankles wanted to be. The Sabercats needed to go into this match with intensity. They're on the bubble looking in towards the semi-final picture as we get towards the end of the season here already. New Orleans was able to come into this match and earn their second victory over Houston in the MLR season. A 24-20 final scoreline saw New Orleans score all of their points by the 60th minute mark. Houston did their best to come back late in the match, but an early second half Red card to Zach Pangelinen kind of ruined the Sabercats' momentum as they started the second half. It wasn't good, and it wasn't enough from the Sabercats. They're now looking on the outside in towards the playoff picture as they go into their last few matches of the season. Yeah, Steve, Zach Pangelinen's name has been mispronounced by about a thousand different people, including me, and maybe now, unfortunately, with that red card, people are going to know how to say it. Yeah, well, strange, nicest guy in the universe. If if you said to me, he got a red card, I'm I'm really shocked. So don't know what happened there. Quite uh, frustration. Yeah. Let's go to the second game. So the second game was arguably the best of the weekend. Seattle was hosting the Utah Warriors. It was an open, brutal match. Defense wasn't exactly a factor, but big hits were all over the pitch. Uh, There was six tries in the first half, three to each team. It looked neck and neck going into the halftime break. But as the two teams came out of the second half, the the bruised and battered Utah Warriors started to slow down, and eventually the open rugby played into Seattle's favor. They have that uh, manicured AstroTurf pitch up there in Seattle that facilitated a big open game, and Seattle's quick backs were able to scoot around the Utah Warriors' defense. 
Uh, there was four tries in the second half, three of those to Seattle. And uh, by the end of the match, Seattle remained near perfect on the season. Well, again, I think that was my man, Matthew Drew Turner, showing people he's still got some wheels out there with a try or two, right? Yes, yeah, two tries for him in the match. It was a, a good display from all of the Seattle Seawolves team, but I, I cannot emphasize how brutal this match was. The, the hits were ferocious. The tackles were slightly high, if I do say so, but it, it was a fun game to watch for sure. A couple of interesting things here. One, um, David Tamalo, Tavita Tamalo, who played for Utah, has been picked up by Glasgow Warriors, two-year contract today. Um, so there you go. Already players are getting getting spotted and picked up, although he has a reputation in the sense that he played D2 in France, so he was a known entity. One thing I thought, Ronan, maybe I've got a question for you here. I, I saw a real contrast in in the venues. When you look at Seattle, it looked good. The place was packed. It was raucous. When you looked at New Orleans, that pitch didn't look great. I think you sort of alluded to earlier, and it, this, the, the crowd looked sparse to me. Perhaps you'd a bit more insight if you're watching both games. It's something that I've really noticed throughout this entire Major League Rugby season, just the, the contrast between those stadiums like you were talking about. Seattle, of course, they have the AstroTurf pitch. They've got a stadium already set up that was built for the Seattle Sounders Major League Soccer system. So they already had that in place. They already have the fan base there. They have the rugby clientele to be able to sell out places like that. Uh, in New Orleans, the rugby clientele isn't as large and the the pitch just isn't there the pitch was spotted with dirt it was bumpy it was bad for people's uh it was bad for player welfare it doesn't look like a sustainable option for a major league rugby team if this league is going to be a world-class league moving forward i think we have to have patience folks just to be honest with you and you don't know what uh sometimes from a production standpoint they might be having the camera on or the cameras on one side of the pitch and they're shooting the empty side of the stadium, which is a bit of a mistake, but budgetary constraints often lead to that. Uh, that said, um, there are problems. You got you know, you got to figure it out as you go along, how to get fannies in the seats. I do understand the having uh, butts and seats issue. That's something that'll get solved as major league rugby moves forward. But it was just the, the quality of the pitch was more concerning than anything. Uh, the whole brown side that, there, that, that brown side there. Exactly. It's something that uh, money can be thrown at to improve. That, that's something that you can't just fix overnight. and uh, or It is something that you can fix overnight uh, it, it, by putting in a new pitch. It's something that does have to be changed. Now, the fans, that's another thing that'll be something that's changed as time moves on. But the, the things that need to be remedied now uh, need to have money put towards them so that player welfare is improved. Uh, we're running out of time, gentlemen, on our Fantasy Sports Network uh, studio clock. But uh, just a side note on that that round brown rim, according to Grant Cole, I think that's where they ripped out the oval from the track oval and filled it in. So that might be looking a lot better in a week or so. Uh, but let's get to our picks. Uh, first matchup, I think we have San Diego going into Austin. We have... Uh... My hometown, San Diego, going into Austin. Uh, I try to be as impartial as possible. It's why I chose Glendale to beat San Diego last week. But I, I don't see any other choice than to pick San Diego going into Austin and beating them by, I would say, a try or more. The Austin elite haven't had the consistency that they need to to be able to play a team like San Diego that's on a roll despite having lost to Glendale. Yep, going with San Diego as well. Uh 15 points, 16, 17, 18 points. 
I think they'll put Austin away, and then Austin will be rooted at the bottom of the table. One and four. San Diego two and two going in. Austin one and three going in. San Diego by 16. I'm going to go with San Diego by 12. And in the second game, we have Houston hosting Utah. Ronan? I think the Utah Warriors are going to gain from their experience up in Seattle this weekend. Houston did not look very strong last weekend. I think Utah goes down to Houston and uh, wins by two tries. I, I would say 14, 15 points would be the gap between the two. Utah looks like a team that's ready to make a big leap. Even Once again, Ronan, I have to concur. Uh, Utah, both teams one and three going in. So, again, this is kind of a, or get off the pot, you know. So, Houston, I think, will will um, be fighting for their lives. But I think Utah are coming on to something. I think it's taken them time, as we've, we've said before, to get going. I take Utah, but not convincingly, four, five, six points. Here's the thing. You've got a team that's potentially going to be one and four that played a whole bunch of preseason matches and really doesn't have any team-changing injuries in the, in the Houston Sabercats, right? Right. I mean, if, if you're going to talk frankly, right, Glendale have performed as expected. Houston have underperformed. Mm. I, I, I had Houston coming in as number two. They were looking good, good squad, uh, good thorough preseason. So they, they've got to be feeling a little disappointed right now with where they are. And if they, if they lose this one at home, it's, uh, it'll have been a disappointing first season, I think, for them. And the last game, we've got Nola Nate Osborne and his Nola Gold going up to Seattle to face off against Seawolves. So, yeah, going up to the uh, raucous, boisterous, boo, everybody's kicker, Seattle crowd, which I quite like. Um, they got New Orleans coming in, and they'll handle New Orleans pretty uh, pretty comfortably. I see them. It's them and Glendale are the form teams. I think Seattle by about 15. Oh, all right. Ronan? I have to agree. I think Seattle will win this match convincingly. Nola didn't exactly have a, a real test against Houston last weekend. Seattle's on a roll playing in front of that raucous crowd up at Starfire Sports. So I think that uh, a Seawolves, as you put them, will go ahead and win this game by 12, 13 points. I'm sorry. I think it's going to be a little bit tighter than everybody is saying. I think it's going to be more like a six-point differential, but I think the Seawolves will prevail over Nola Nate and the gold. What is a Seawolf? Might that be a keen affection for uh, Nola Nate Osborne there? Yes. yes it's, a br- it's a bromance, Ronan. Well spotted. It's been going on all year. I got, I got bromances year. for anybody that's on the show if you haven't figured that out yet, folks. So what is a Seawolf? Tell me right now what a Seawolf is. A Seawolf is a victorious rugby player from Seattle over the Nola Gold for this weekend. Fair enough? Fair enough. And on that note, gentlemen, we are out of time. So on behalf of Mr. Ronan Nelson calling in from San Diego and Mr. Steve Lewis coming down from the Upper West Side in his posh pad, I'm Matt McCarthy here at the Studio 34 Fantasy Sports Network in New York City signing off.